0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Deepika Chopra. My passion, calling, and job is really all about blending together holistic practices with real evidence-based science to help people around the world cultivate more optimism, success, and resiliency. You won't wanna miss this new podcast as you'll get to hear from elite athletes, recording artists, couples, and maybe even my toddler. So if you're into arming yourself with some new practical happiness tools, join me on Mondays for your morning optimism dose. Oh, and don't forget, things are looking up. Hey guys, it's Gabi and welcome to What's Gabi Cooking in the Wild. We got a little bit of a facelift. If you're new here, I'm Gabi. I'm the founder of What's Gobby Cooking, a best-selling author and now a podcast host. What's Gabi Cooking in the Wild, which is the latest version of my podcast, is your one-stop shop for all your food and cooking questions. We'll be talking tips and tricks, how to store food, how to put together meals based on what's in your pantry and more. I'm also gonna be interviewing some incredible people and highlighting super cool small companies from the food world. So let's get right into it. This is what's gobby cooking in the wild. Hi guys, happy Monday and welcome back to What's Gabi Cooking in the Wild. We are back in action for part two of the business: the nitty-gritty, the modern day what's Gabi cooking, you know. Kit and caboodle. If you haven't listened to part one yet, I would recommend listening to that before you continue on with today's podcast because I really think it lays the groundwork for everything that we are about to talk about. Um, Thomas is back.
0: I'm back. <laughs> I feel like every time you say what's Gabby Cooking in the wild, you should hear like an elephant roaring in the background. <laughs> because that's where my mind goes, is like safari. We are, we are hosting this live from Safari. I
1: mean, honestly, that's my dream.
0: That'd be amazing.
1: <laughs> so I'm going to turn this over to Thomas, and we are going to get into modern day, what's be cooking, how the business is run, everyone that's involved in it, and how it's evolved. Um, and again- and how we make money. How we make money. And again, we're doing this because, in case you forgot, I got a very- Aggressive email with someone who was appalled that I did a sponsored post for a company that wasn't food related. And I, being the confrontational person that I am, wrote back and I was like, uh, what's be cooking as a lifestyle brand? We don't just eat over here, we also like entertain and sleep and all these different things. So, anyways, I just wanted to break it down to you guys and be super transparent. So you know everything that goes into creating content for you and all the behind the scenes mechanical workings. All right, Thomas, over to you.
0: All right. So, what's Gubby Cooking is clearly not just operated by you. You have a team that you work with. Um, you have one full time employee. So, and there's just a lot of people that you've hired. There are a lot of people involved in the day to day. So, why don't you break down all the positions and the staff that you help employ and let's go from there.
1: Okay. So full-time employees, it's me and Thomas and that's it. We're the only two people that are on salary. You get the idea. On top of that, there's quite a list. What
0: what does Thomas do?
1: Thomas is chief technological officer, I would say.
0: Yeah. That and like design.
1: Yeah. But that kind of falls into tech, right? No, whatever. Um, Okay. So on top of that, we have Matt, my best friend, who is also my photographer, Adam, another best friend who is my food stylist, we have two rotating prop stylists, Stephanie and Amy, depending on who's available and what we're shooting. We have someone who does the development side of my website, Morgan, who is one of Thomas's best friends. I have someone who helps me with social media, Sarah. She helps me like troubleshoot all the things, hook up brands with my accounts when needed, schedule stuff on Twitter and Facebook. I will say, though, when you're corresponding with someone on with with what's got be cooking on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter, it's me like I or email yeah, or, or email. Um, I am a control freak. <laughs> um, let's see who else. I have an accountant. I have a lawyer. I have a manager, Hillary, and her team that helps me negotiate with all my contracts and stuff like that. Um, I have my dear media team who helps me with this podcast And I have, that's it really on a day-to-day basis. We'll get, I mean, I have other people that help me with cookbooks and my William line and all that kind of stuff. But these are the people I'm in contact with day-to-day.
0: So that hasn't always been the case. Correct. At what point, I know we're covering modern modern day, what's gotta be cooking. But at what point did you start offloading these hats to wear and getting help so you could continue to create the best grow. quality content possible for the blog, but also grow it. How did it go through the order of like who came on first and how, sure. that, how that worked out?
1: So I was doing all of these roles myself to begin with and probably did for about four-ish years. And it wasn't until I was making enough money to A, pay myself and B, have a little leftover that I started investing in the business because I realized if I was making I mean, I can't even remember what the numbers were back then. But let's say I was making $5,000 a month and I was paying myself $3,000 $3,000 a month. I'm literally making this up. I have no recollection of what happened back then. But that gave me $2,000 a month to invest back into my business that I just was I wasn't doing anything with. I was just sitting in my bank account and I was saving it. And I realized that in order. You've to, always
0: been a big saver.
1: I do. I do like to save money. Um But I realized in order to grow what's got to be cooking, that excess money that wasn't going towards my salary should be going back into the business. So the first people I brought on were Matt and Adam, um, and they really helped develop the What's Got Be Cooking visual voice. And...
0: And they did the prop styling early, mm-hmm. early on back Correct. in the day.
1: Yeah, they used I mean, they prop styled everything until we had more money left over to pay for a prop stylist and bring on other people. So it really was a few years into what's be cooking before I was able to afford to bring anyone on.
0: And in those early days, you didn't have a web developer. It was me.
1: Mm-hmm. And we were bootstrapping I was the designer it. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Designer so, and developer. Yeah.
0: And then. I got to a point with my development skills that it just wasn't great. So that's when we brought on our web developer.
1: Well, and the website got a little bit more technical. So like your coding skills are great for basic stuff. But Morgan has a more vast vocabulary of code, I would say. And he's far more
0: efficient in doing it. So it just made sense to bring someone official on. And that's actually the biggest reason we brought him on was because Gabby's site kept crashing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I didn't I
0: didn't build it well. So that's he's the one responsible for dealing with the growth and traffic and keeping it up and all that.
1: When we did decide to bring other people on in different you know, to wear different hats that I didn't have to wear, we decided because those people were better, more efficient, and just like smarter in those areas than I am. So like I can spend my time doing the actual content creation and interfacing with brands and being a spokesperson and being in front of the camera and all that. And so I'm not, you know, trying to be behind the camera and shoot these recipes. You know, when Matt and Adam and I are in the studio with a prop stylist, we can get through 10 to 12 recipes a day. Which is how we shoot content so far ahead of time. If I'm shooting on my own, I can maybe do two recipes a day.
0: That's very Steve Jobs esque of you. He you he was always known for surrounding himself with people that are smarter than him in specific areas. Mm-hmm. So he did not want to be the smartest person in the room for everything because then you're not gonna grow. The point? Exactly. Right. So he brought in a bunch of specialists and his goal was to always surround himself with the best and brightest in what they do.
1: Well, and that's so that's exactly what we do. Like Matt and Adam pushed me to be more visually creative and different than I would do on my own, you know? So like they're at the top of their game. They work for incredible clients all over the globe and they push me to be more creative on what's got to be cooking. Same goes with everybody else.
0: So we've got food photographer and stylist. We've got a developer. When did DBA come onto the scene?
1: DBA, for those of you listening, is my management company. Um, I think I brought them on. They approached me, I believe, in 2014. So we've been together now for six years. Um, The first three years, I had one manager whose name was Lily, and she actually taught me so much about the business world that I did not know. She ended up leaving and starting her own gig. And now I'm with Hillary, who has continued that education for me and is such an incredible ally to have in my corner. And she's the one who interfaces with brands for me. Like she's the one who's talking, like she's negotiating my contracts. And if it's a huge contract, then we'll bring my lawyer in also to advise on, you know, different verbiage and stuff like that. But Hillary's the one who's like got my back day in and day out. We talk every day. Uh, we're very involved with, I, I actually think I'm probably more involved with. Um, the brand side of it than most of her clients are because I enjoy talking to the brands. Like after I dropped out of pre-med in college, I went into business. And so I want to be involved in those business conversations. Like I, and we can get into this when we talk about sponsored content, but I think the best relationships and the best content comes out of a conversation when it's me, Hillary and the brand, and we can all mutually have this conversation on what is going to work and what's going to work for my audience, what's going to work for the brand, what's going to work contractually and come up with the best plan of attack.
0: All right. So we have all these people that are working with the What's Gobby cooking brand. I imagine the planning for the content that you're producing then has to happen quite a bit out because they're not working for you full time. So you don't control their time but they are working with you. So you got to do a lot of coordination. Like what goes into the content planning side of what's be cooking today?
1: It's aggressive. Um, So Matt and Adam and our prop stylist and I shoot probably four to six weeks out ahead of time, which means my recipes have to be developed, tested and input into a Google doc or something. So I can send it down to the studio and Adam's assistant then goes grocery shopping for it. The day of the shoot, we all powwow together at the studio. Adam's team has shot for the recipes. Him and his team cook all the recipes. Matt and the prop stylist are out in the front of the set, building the set, doing like prop prop, what kind of backdrops we want, all that what vibe we're going for. And I'm there to create abstract. I've already cooked all the recipes four to five times before we get there. So I don't have to be in the kitchen for the actual photo shoot. If it is a sponsored post, there is a little bit more involved in the photography process because then we not only have to capture maybe a handful of you know, step-by-step images or prep images and the hero image. But we also need to capture branded content, which is like if we're working with a goat cheese company, the goat cheese needs to be photographed and it it needs to be perfect. It needs to be beautiful. The label has to be easy to read. You get the idea. So there's actually a lot more that goes into the sponsored photography than just like regular editorial. Well, and
0: there's another round of reviews too Correct. with that sponsored contents. Like once you shoot it, you have to send it over to the brand for them to approve.
1: Correct. So after I get back all the assets from Matt, who edits all my photography and then sends it to me, if it's editorial, it just gets banked into Dropbox. And then I write the actual blog post the day before the post goes live just so it can be timely. I don't want to write that too far ahead of time. If it's a sponsored blog post, I write it a couple extra days ahead of time, send it to the brand for any revisions. They run it through their legal team. Um, I'm pretty adamant about them not changing my language. Like I want to sell I want to sound like Gobby. um, But like if they if I forgot to capitalize something or if I, you know, they just make sure that I did everything properly and then I get it back. It gets input into my blog post and then it goes live. And then from there, it goes out in my email. It goes out on all my social media platforms, which is where Sarah comes in to help me with Twitter and Facebook. I'll put it on Instagram. I'll put it on stories. If it's a video, it goes on YouTube. Did I cover that all?
0: Yeah. Do you ever shoot content that's branded with Matt and Adam and then it gets rejected by the client? And you have to go back and reshoot it.
1: We've never had that happen before.
0: Knock on wood. You guys are just yeah. that good. <laughs>
1: We're very lucky. I mean, here's the deal. Matt and Adam shoot for Panda Express, Chipotle, Coca-Cola. Like they've worked with the Food Network. They've worked with the biggest brands in the world. Like what's got to be cooking is small potatoes compared to all that? And so they know what they're looking for. Matt is also, Matt also shoots a ton of product and Adam styles a ton of product. Like, for example, a granola bar. Like they just shoot the product for the website. So they know really what brands are looking for. And I know what is going to perform well on my channel and what my audience is going to respond to.
0: So that's sponsored stuff. What mm-hmm. about like, do you get paid for publishing recipes that are non-sponsored or, or like the first five years of what's cooking where really no sponsored work was coming in? Like Barely. were you getting paid for that?
1: Yeah. Okay. So great question. Sponsored work is a portion of my income. There's another portion of the income or fraction of the income that comes from just ads on my website. And that is through a company. I have an ad manager who I guess I should have mentioned earlier. Um, I have an ad manager who helps put the ads on my site and make sure that there's nothing on there that is inappropriate. So like I don't run political ads. I don't run medical ads. I don't run any like marijuana style ads or CBD or anything like that. Like those things aren't necessarily pharmaceutical. Yeah, I don't like I don't do any of that. That's not on brand for what's got be cooking. Alcohol and food. Bring it on. Electronics, sure, why not? Um, Lifestyle stuff, absolutely. But though I have a few ads on pages of my website, and that makes a small income. So while I'm not getting paid for the free recipes I'm putting out that aren't sponsored, I do get like pennies for every person that hits my site.
0: Awesome. Okay. So let's dive a little bit more into getting paid and how you make money and just the whole diversity of it mm-hmm. or how you diversify it all. Mm-hmm. So we kind of covered ads there, which is basically their ads on every page of what's got be cooking mm-hmm. and every view mm-hmm. counts as like a fraction of a penny. Right. So the logic there is the more traffic you get, the more money you make off of ads.
1: Right. And I consider that to be passive income. So if everybody listening wants to change their homepage of their internet browser to What's Copy Cooking, I would be eternally grateful because now we have to put a child through college.
0: (laughs) All right. So that's that's actually probably been our longest running source of revenue.
1: Right. But it was very, very small. You'll remember for the first five or six years. Yeah.
0: Well, until you start generating a decent amount of traffic to your website. Right. It... It stays small. All right. So then how else do you make money? So
1: we've got the ads. We've got the sponsored content.
0: Let's go into the sponsored content real quick. What about it? Actually, let's hit up everything at a top level and then we'll come back to sponsored content.
1: OK, so we've got ads. We've got sponsored content. We have cookbooks. I make a, you get an advance when you write a cookbook. Do you want me to drill down? Into yeah, let's that? drill down into that. OK, so um, this was something I got a lot of questions on. Are cookbooks lucrative? Unless you're Ina Garten or Martha Stewart. I'm going to say no. No maybe for maybe for some people but here's the deal for me cookbooks are a marketing tool that i can use to promote what's got be cooking so if i'm getting an advance i would rather spend almost that entire advance on photography and food styling and prop styling and pr and Trips around the country and dinner parties to get the book out there and get the name out there, then pocket that money because I I would consider the website portion of what's got be cooking to be what I actually make money on, and the cookbooks are a marketing bonus. If you're listening to this and you wanted to get into writing cookbooks to make money, I w- I would I would readjust your expectations because really you know that's not how it works.
0: Have you earned out your advance from your very first cookbook?
1: Absolutely. Avocados. Yes, I just did. And okay, it's and been out for seven years. All right. And
0: what about your second cookbook?
1: No, not even close.
0: And there's no way you're even close on this third cookbook.
1: No, I mean, I won't probably earn out those advances for a couple of years. So what earn out advances means is they give you a lump sum of money up front. And that money is used for recipe development, recipe testing, photography, food styling, prop styling, PR uh, hair, makeup, clothing, whatever. It doesn't
0: have to be. No, well, you that's as the author I, have the choice to... I was
1: going to say that. I know plenty of people who have shot their own cookbooks and just pocket that money. Um, but like I said earlier, I want to put out the best possible book. So I need the whole What's Gabi Cooking team involved.
0: So in regards to earning out your advance, basically the publisher... Gets to keep all the money from the sales until that advance has been covered. Correct,
1: correct. and then you and then you earn a percentage of things. And on then top it's of that. shared. Yeah. Oh, also, I have a literary agent. Hello, yeah. Janice.
0: <laughs> so you can see just how big the What's Gobby team? Well, What's Gabby cooking team? Well,
1: so let's talk about the cookbook team because we're okay. here now. So we've got. We talked about how the advance works. I have a literary agent. Her name's Janice. She is a bulldog boss lady, and I love her. I actually wanted her to be my agent for my first book, Absolutely Avocados, and she wouldn't take me back then. You weren't ready. She was like, you're not ready. And I was like, oh, shit okay. And I wasn't, she's like a badass. She, she wasn't messing around with someone who didn't know what was going on. Um, and then fast forward a few years into that, maybe two years, two and a half years before my second book came out, she emailed me and she's like, I've been watching you. You're like, if you want to switch agents, I'm ready. And I was like, done drop of the hat. I'm on Um, And so I've got Janice. Janice is the one who's responsible for helping me develop a proposal. You need to write a cookbook proposal, which is anywhere from 10 to 70 pages with your overview, some sample recipes, a marketing plan, a PR plan, all that kind of stuff. She then takes that to every publisher she thinks my idea would work with. And then the book goes to all these different editors at these publishing companies. And for me, it went to auction, which meant there were 10 or so publishers who wanted to buy it. And she emails them all, you know, at 6 a.m. one day and says, "Okay, Gabi's book is on auction. Here's the starting price. Who wants to do it? And so then everyone puts in their offers. I have to sit on the other end of the computer waiting for these offers to come in and I have to make a decision within 24 hours do you
0: get to keep the money from that offer or like that's where, the advance that's the advance okay yeah,
1: that's the advance and so you sit you've had conversations with all these editors it's weeks and weeks of preparation you know who you jive with you know who's going to give you the most creative control and then you wait for the offers to come in and you make your decision based on that I picked Holly who is my editor at Abrams. Holly is an editor. Abrams is the publishing company.
0: So you picked Abrams. mm mm-hmm.
1: yep. And I love Holly. She's
0: so, a gem. So is it safe to say because of your relationship with Holly that all future What's Be Cooking books will not go to auction because you enjoy that relationship working with them?
1: So here's how, here's how books work after you have a book. The publisher normally gets... Write uh, a first refusal.
0: First right of refusal. That's
1: what I meant. So when we did this third book that just came out, Eat What You Want, Holly gets to give me an offer. Like Holly gets the, the option to option it before it goes anywhere else. If Holly hadn't wanted it, it could have gone to auction somewhere else. But she did want it. And my relationship with her and Abrams is so beautiful and seamless. I know what a bad relationship can be because that was my first book. I didn't get any creative control. And... So when, so actually this, sorry, this is jumping around a little bit. When my first book, Absolutely Avocados came out, that editor had the right to my second book and we sent it to him (laughs) and he was like, by the way, my first book, I had like 8,000 Instagram followers. And by the time my second book came around, I was at like 300,000 or something like that. And he wrote back to us and he was like, you know, like Gabi's numbers just aren't where we want them to be. She's not quite big enough to do another book with us. We're going to pass. And which was a total blessing and total blessing. And so that's when it went out to auction and all that other stuff. Yeah, I mean, Abrams will have the options to my books for the foreseeable future until they they stop buying them. And I love working with them. So it's kind of a beautiful relationship.
0: All right, so your products, like- do you make money off of your products?
1: Right. Okay. So let's talk about William Snoma. Let's start at the beginning with how I got there. There was a period in 2015 where I was like, gosh, this is everyone's making my recipes on Snapchat, posting them on Instagram. They're DMing me, they are emailing me. Like, I know people are making my recipes. I want them to have something that they can touch in their kitchen and use in their recipes to have like a little bit of gobby in their kitchen. And I, pitched the idea to Williams-Sonoma and a few other very large companies um, who I'm sure you can guess. And I was like, hey, guys, I want to do a What's Gobby Cooking product line. And every other company wrote me back immediately. And they're like, fly to Seattle, fly to New York, fly here, let's take a meeting, Chicago, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, "Okay, cool. Fly, fly, fly everywhere. Go have meetings with the whole C-suite teams. Cook for everyone. And two of those companies actually offered me a deal very quickly. And William Sonoma hadn't responded yet. And I was like, shit, I feel like that's just where I want to be. Um, and finally they responded and they are like, fly up to San Francisco. Let's have lunch. You'll come in, tell everyone your story. And I did. And I knew a lot of people who worked at William Sonoma already. I was very friendly with a lot of them. So it was a really lovely day. And then the guy who was in charge of products called me a week later and he's like, OK, we're in. Let's do a line of salsas to start. Salsas are not a great performing skew for them or anyone else for that matter, like any specialty retailer. Let's be honest. You buy salsas at the grocery store. You're not going to buy like a $10 jar of salsa. It was a test. To see if I could actually move product. So we did this line of salsas. You didn't know that. I didn't know it at the time. but You had
0: no clue salsas were not the greatest skew either. No
1: idea. But in my mind, I was like, I'm from Arizona. I love salsa. I love tacos. Guacamole. I wrote a whole book basically on guacamole. Like salsas are obviously the first step into product lines. And so we did it. And it was a major success. I don't think anyone expected me to sell as much salsa as they sold. And so that's how the line then expanded off into seasonings and oils and cocktail mixes and everything sauces and
0: all. Spatulas. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, the spatulas, I don't make money, any money off of actually, but everything else you make up, it's a licensing fee, right? So like I develop all the recipes in my kitchen, they get sent to the test kitchen. Actually, if you guys want to listen to the podcast earlier this year with Bell English, she's the one who runs the test kitchen at williams Sonoma. we get into how the products are developed. But to recap, I develop the products here. They go to the test kitchen, they cross test them, and then they go to wherever they're being manufactured. And they're all manufactured different places in America. The seasonings are manufactured at one facility. I think actually the oils are at the same one. The sauces are manufactured somewhere else. One of the sauces I lied actually is produced in Italy, but they're all small batch.
0: And they're manufactured in these facilities because you need them to be sh- shelf stable, right?
1: Shelf stable. And also just that's who f- who's doing the fulfillment. They're sending it to the Williams-Sonoma warehouse. I'm not actually shipping any of your product. So it's my recipe that the manufacturer uses to make small batches of the seasonings and the oils or the sauces or the cocktail mixes or whatever, which is why it's a premium product. They're not being produced in mass. Um, and then that gets shipped to the williams Snowmo Distribution Center and that is shipped to stores or to your home.
0: Awesome. And the percentages are set
1: yeah, it's industry standard. Through DBA standard. as well, right? Well, it's, it, it is, it's industry standard. I'll actually be honest about this. Um, my relationship with William SNOMA, yes, my management company takes a percentage of it, but I do all the negotiating on my end because I've become too close with William Snoma to let anybody else in on that relationship. They're too there's
0: likes to be hands-on.
1: <laughs> they're too it's that's a family affair now with what's Scotty Cooking and William Snowman. And I like to be the one in charge.
0: How much freedom when it comes to creating new products at William Snowman do you have in terms of like, do they come to you and ask, say, hey, we think this would be great? Do you go to them and say, hey, this would be great? Like, how does that work?
1: It's 50-50. Like I know so Alex, who's who works with me on the day to day of all my products, she is a dear friend of mine and also you a professionally know, trained chef. Yeah, she's a, ball, she's a baller. Um, but her and I know what performs well. And we actually talk about this before we develop a product. I knew that one of the biggest SKUs at Williams-Sonoma were cocktail mixes. So I was like, I want to get into cocktail mixes. Tell me when you're all ready to have three new SKUs because that's where I want to go. And I like seeing the analytics behind things before we invest time and money into creating those products.
0: It seems like it's a very mutual and collaborative relationship.
1: It is and it, and it's it's a relationship that you know like they text me you know in the middle of the day like can we get like we're shooting your product here like what do you think about this like it's so fast and it's so seamless because we all interact interact so well together you know it's it's very i feel like I'm an employee actually of Williams Sonoma I'd like health benefits
0: <laughs> so when you're promoting your products with Williams Sonoma it's not so much for you to make money, but I feel like the more products you sell, it gives you more leverage and credit to then come out with even more products at Williams-Sonoma.
1: Or and or other places, like if yeah. I want to come out with betting somewhere, you know, like, so the cool thing about the relationship with Williams-Sonoma is, yeah, we're making money and everyone's happy with it. And the products are selling. We can see the numbers right there at the end of every week. But I also now have the analytics from that to be able to go to another brand and be like, hi, this is what I can sell in a Q1 or Q2 or Q4. Like Q4 is our biggest quarter always. Um, so those analytics are very helpful when we're negotiating other deals outside of the food space.
0: So it becomes more or less an additional marketing tool for what's got to be cooking.
1: Yes. I mean, obviously there's money involved in it as well, but like it is a, it is a portion of my income but just it, I mean, I don't know any other food bloggers who have the amount of products I have, with the exception of probably Re. So I feel very fortunate that I have, you know, nurtured that relationship. It's very important to me.
0: All right. So I think we've covered William Sonoma pretty in depth right there. Yeah. Um,
1: and cookbooks.
0: Yeah. So do we need to pay some bills right now?
1: <laughs> I think we do. Speaking of sponsors, here's one that couldn't be more on brand if it tried. Sonos is one of those brands that is an integral part of the Wetscabi cooking team, although they don't require a paycheck. (laughs) We've been fans of Sonos for years and use the speakers in various parts of our house for various parts of our business. In case you have never heard of Sonos before and you've been sleeping on the last couple podcasts, it is the best sound system that you can piece together with multiple options depending on what you need in your house. We've had it in our various apartments, condos, and now it's in our house. We buy like one to two pieces a year. Thomas is a diehard fan. I remember the first time he was like, we're going to get this thing called Sonos. So I was like, what? What? And 24 hours later, I was obsessed. While our house is under renovation, we have been all about the Sonos Move, which is basically a portable speaker that you can take anywhere in the entire house. You can use it to stream music, listen to your favorite podcast, tune into the radio, hook it up to your TV, put it in the living room without any furniture and eat takeout on the floor and pretend to have a date night because that's what we did yesterday. (laughs) You can hook them up to different zones so you can play different music in different parts of your house. You guys are going to love it. Head to Sonos to learn more and the offer is always on the table if you want to DM Thomas to ask him what pieces you should get for specific rooms. He knows all the things.
0: So... You guys just heard how the podcast generates revenue for us.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about that because I just signed with Dear Media at the beginning of pandemic, which I feel like is now how we refer to Q1 of 2020. Um, And it was a very it was interesting how it came about because I had been wanting to do a podcast for years not years, maybe like 18 months. And Reina, the woman who owns DBA, Digital Brand Architects, which in fact is owner of Dear Media, the podcast company, emailed me and she's like, you got to do a podcast right now. Like everyone's at home. No one knows how to cook. Let's start it. So we we like bootstrapped it at first and just started like out of the blue. Typically at Dear Media, they have like these beautiful offices in Los Angeles where you can go record podcasts and like your producers there with you and they get your footage and all that. I've never actually been to the studio for What's Gabby Cooking in the Wild. We've filmed or recorded everything at home since the pandemic.
0: We're recording in Gabby's custom studio right now. Yeah. She's on a bed and I'm on a chair.
1: Yeah, we're in our bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> um. But, but it works. But it works. And so the the podcast is still a baby. Like we've only been what's got be cooking in the wild. has only been around for I think 5 months or 6 months maybe. So the income here is just starting, but it'll be similar to how we make money in sponsored content. And then maybe one day we'll be able to do like live podcasts in the park and in theaters and cool stuff like that so you guys can come and we can have a conversation with someone in real time and make it like a cool event.
0: So yeah, there's really not much to go into the podcast. And I think that this is actually a perfect segue into sponsored w- content. Exactly. Sponsored content and the question that started it all. Mm-hmm. Why are you doing ads for companies that aren't food related?
1: This is a big topic. Where do we start? Sponsored content. How did you
0: first start working with sponsors?
1: For the most part, brands approach me directly. I would say 75% of brands approach me directly, 25% of them come through my management company. Of the brands that approach me, I turn down eighty five percent of them, and some of those have been big deals. You guys, like like life altering money, that I'm not willing to accept because it's not on brand. Because nothing is more important to me than your guys's trust and staying authentic to the brand we've built through Wet be Cooking. So,
0: what market is the most off the wall, like market or product? You don't have to mention any particular products, but like, what's the most like off brand? proposal you've received?
1: I don't know if it's it's just I mean, they're in the food space, but it's just stuff that I wouldn't. I'll just tell you one. I got a huge deal once for a frozen lasagna company. Huge. Biggest deal I've ever received in my entire life. And I turned it down because I'm like, I'm going to teach people how to make frozen. I'm going to teach people how to make lasagna and freeze it themselves. Like we're not going to go buy it from Costco, although I do love Costco. But it's it's so important to me. So so the some of the brands that approach me, I never even make it to my manager's inbox because I know right away it's not on brand for me and I can shut it down on my own. If if it is on brand, I will pass it off to Hillary and we will set up a call and get on a conversation on phone call and talk it through and see if it's worth pursuing. Um, But just know that of the stuff that makes it to my feed, 85 percent of it has already been cut.
0: So, what are like your guidelines for picking and choosing?
1: It has to be on brand. Like I know it, you,
0: you keep saying on brand, but right? Like what?
1: What does that mean? What
0: is that? And what's what's the process like?
1: So, uh, to me, deciding whether or not I'm going to work with a company comes down to: a Is it a product I would actually use? B, is this going to be beneficial for my readers and audience? Like, is this going to is this going to help their lives in some way? And C, is it something that I can put my name and stand behind? Like if it's got all sorts of weird, crappy ingredients in it, probably not going to promote it because I don't want to A, eat that and I don't want to tell my audience to eat that either. I will say we have gotten more into the lifestyle space in the last two or three years, which is really cool. Um it all started back when we first started talking about surprise vacation. And then I started getting all these interests, not a ton, but I'd get like a handful of travel gig requests and stuff like that. And then from there, I started getting a little bit more, like I got some luggage things and then it went into skincare and bedding and stuff like that. But in in my opinion, all of that's part of what's got to be cooking anyways. Like we, we've talked about it all. We've talked about pillows and we've talked about supplements and we've talked about Cotton T shirts and leggings. That's how the Lululemon thing Hotels came about.
0: Hotels and airlines. And yeah, like it's travel all stuff companies.
1: that I talk about naturally. So, so in order for me to accept a sponsored deal, it has to be something I'm juiced about. Like I got to be jazzed. Otherwise, it's not worth it to me.
0: Do you ever do like trades where brands don't pay you but you promote them?
1: Sometimes.
0: I feel like early when you were establishing. Yeah. cooking, That was more of the norm. But well,
1: yes, I do think. And I also think you got to do that when you're just starting. Like like nobody knows you're not getting paid to do it. So if you're just starting your blog and a peanut butter company is like, can I send you six jars of peanut butter? Will you write about it? No one has to know that you didn't get paid for that. But then you can use that content as a sample to send out to other brands and be like, hey, look what I can do for you. Um, so, yeah, we definitely did that back in the day. But Less often now when I I do still feature companies all the time that aren't paying me, especially here on the podcast, I feel like when we were highlighting all those small companies at the beginning of quarantine, none of that was paid. It's just part of my job. Like if part of my job is to recommend cool candles and sunglasses, like I'm not getting paid to do that, but I want to support these companies.
0: What is your relationship like with your managers and do they ever bring deals to you that they're trying to push through but doesn't feel on brand for you?
1: Um, it's fantastic. I love my management team. I have Hillary, my manager, and her two assistants, Natalie and Sammy, who are just angels from another planet. And yes, they bring things to me frequently that I turn down <laughs> because it's either a good paying gig or they think it would work for my audience. But ultimately, you know, like I'm not willing to compromise anyone's trust for any amount of money.
0: Do you ever worry about what's Gabby cooking becoming too commercialized and having too much? paid content or ads or anything like that?
1: No, I don't worry about that because I try to really space things out. Like there are a couple instances throughout the year, for example, in Q4, when holiday ramps up where there's more sponsored content than normal. But at the end of the day, what's be cooking as a business? Like we're not doing this. We started doing this because it's fun, but we now do this to support ourselves and our our unborn child and like we pay for our own insurance like and it's to
0: a, maintain the company i mean there's yeah, just like there are a lot of so people, many
1: there are a lot of people that we employ
0: people but also just the the overhead for like your server and mm-hmm. paying for your email uh subscription yeah. and your website costs like yeah, there's they're just not a cheap. lot of monthly expenses that need to be covered in order for Gabi to continue to keep producing content that's content right. yeah right
1: so, no, I'm not worried about it because I'm very choosy about who we work with. And I've really developed and like most brands we work with on a on an ongoing basis, for example, Capital One, like they've sponsored me for the last couple of years, Delalo, you know, things like that, that I love. And we actually we have a Capital One card and we use Delalo pasta and all these different things. So it makes sense in the world of what's got to be cooking. And I
0: think that's the beauty of being so strict about who you work with is mm-hmm. like everything in your feed is stuff you would promote and recommend already. Right, correct. So like, yes, there might be more sponsored content, but it's all content that would more than likely be there in some way, shape or form.
1: Right. Exactly. I mean, the bedding stuff we did a couple weeks ago. Listen, like we used to have a different brand of bedding, but then Thomas ripped holes in it when he slept because he sleeps like an animal and throws himself down every night. So I was like, I
0: move around. A little I was,
1: bit. He literally wore through our linen bedding that we had multiple and, sets. Yeah. Multiple times, guys. And that's not cheap. So I was on the hunt for a new cotton bedding that wasn't linen. So when this bowl and branch thing came around, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I know my friend Jerry uses this like it's great quality. It's organic cotton. Yes. Like send it to me. Let me try it out for a month or two before I agree to working with
0: you guys. The funny part with that is my mom, she saw the post and then she called me and she's like, what do you think of the sheets? And I'm like, they're amazing. They like, are. You got to get them. So then she went out and bought them. So <laughs> now we have bowl and branch sheets when we go and visit my parents. which Oh, is my amazing.
1: God, that's hysterical.
0: Yeah. And like this is this is actually a classic example. Like we're talking about a brand that we love. Bolin Branch is not paying us to say this right now, but we do like their sheets
1: yeah you know who doesn't pay me also those elemental superfood bars but I feel like I've really helped them grow because they're freaking delicious there are also companies that I know can't afford to pay me like they're it's a small mom-and- pop company and I'm like I'm not interested in taking your money like I just want to help you grow and so you can pay me down the road
0: <laughs> <laughs> definitely awesome so that's a really good overview of sponsored content what new ventures are coming next year do you think?
1: Oh, I can't tell you. There's a couple.
0: I don't actually know these. Yes, things. you do. I do.
1: You know okay. one of them that's launching in January. It's totally new, different than anything we've ever done before, but I can't tell anyone what it is yet. Um, who knows? I mean, I, mean, I maybe
0: one spring of next year too. What? You know this one.
1: Oh. Yeah and then maybe we'll do a TV show one day.
0: Guys, is this really fun listening to us like <laughs> talk about these secret projects and you have no clue what they are?
1: Just know that there's a lot in the pipeline. So we're planning we're planning launches, new ventures, for 2021 and 2022 already. Like all the products for Williams-Noma for next year have already been developed. Like you you have to work far ahead on these kinds of schedules when you're working with large companies because they're much bigger than we are.
0: I think one of the most impressive things that I've seen Gabi do, and I've read it in a variety of different books, is that some of the most successful millionaires and billionaires out there.
1: Well, we're not millionaires.
0: No, <laughs> just just yeah, Let's let's put that out there. But when I'm reading about these millionaires and billionaires, they have multiple sources of income. Revenue. And revenue generators. And Mm -hmm. so Gabi has done an amazing job basically creating a variety of sources of revenue through her brand. So we're going to continue to do that. And as long as that is... Um, positive for the audience and making it a great experience. Like it's a win-win situation. Yeah, I'm never
1: going to slap my name on something that I don't love. But like there are more opportunities out there for us that I want to go after that I'm interested in. And I've been interested in for like five plus years. So we're going to continue to pursue them and find cool partners and stuff like that. Awesome. Is that it? I
0: think that's it. Did we
1: cover all the business stuff?
0: We're through your list.
1: Oh my God, you guys, we did it.
0: Yeah, so now if anybody has any questions about why a post appears or anything like that, you can reference them to here.
1: Yeah, exactly. I feel like we did a really good job. Yeah. High five, babe.
0: I just gave her an air high five.
1: He actually didn't even move his body. (laughs) All right, guys, that's a wrap. All right, that's it for today's Web Scobby cooking in the wild. Be sure to tune in for new episodes on Mondays. And if you have any questions you want answered, give us a call at 1-888-338-4429 and leave me a voicemail. Or if you know a super cool small company that you want to be highlighted, let me know in the voicemail as well. Make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen and follow along with What's Gobby Cooking on Instagram and Twitter. And for more recipes, check out my website, whatscabicooking.com. See you guys very soon.